guy by the name of Tom Nelson tells a story about a tribe of people. A preacher shows up there, missionary, wants to sit down, wants to talk to this group of people about the gospel message, and, and he gets down there, and, and he starts to notice that everybody in this community has some sort of massive scar, hand missing, something missing from the, like a chunk of their leg. Some of them family members are missing. Feet, mangled, crippled, everybody had these same scars all over them. So they're down by the river, and just out of the blue, this crocodile comes up and snatches this kid, and they grab the kid, and they pull, and they get the kid away, but the kid is mangled. The missionary looks up, and he says, is that what the problem is here with everything that's going on? Is it crocodiles? And real quick, the chief of the tribe goes, shh. We don't talk about crocodiles. He said, yeah, but, if, but like, that's the problem, right? Like, we got to talk about these crocodiles. Like, there's things we can do to keep this from, shh, talk about it. It's not much different, it's not much different for us in the church when it comes to the physical relationship of a marriage, right? How we teach our kids. We'll send them to school, and the, no, the school will send a note home and say, hey, do you want us to talk to your kids about this? And you know what they're doing, right? They're giving them data. Just the biology. Just the data. And some of us breathe a sigh of relief, right? Whew. If the school does it, that means I don't have to, right? But boy, 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 do they fall short when there's so much more. There are so many scars l lingering on so many of us, if not all of us, in the area of sex. But we don't talk about it. Why is that? Well, it's taboo. Really? Tell Hollywood. Well, it's inappropriate. Really? Do you listen to the radio? Well, it's awkward. Bingo. No denying that. Hey, Jared, is there an easy way to talk to your kids about this? <laughs> no. No. But I'll tell you the distinction that my wife made with me in our conversation about this. I said to her, there's got to be teaching and there's got to be relationship. And she said, teaching is fine. There has to be conversation. This is not something you teach like addition and you never have to go back and learn it again. You don't, anybody need a review of addition? Anybody? No. Why? Because you got it. This is not that. You don't need a review. What you need conversations this is why we call it check out the way we say this the talk 
as in the one time we're ever going to discuss this, if you're lucky, the talk, not the talks, not the conversations, not the question, not the Q&A, right? Anybody want to do a Q&A with your kids? No. No, I don't want to do a Q&A. What do you want to do? I want to do, like, I want to write, I want someone else to do it. I don't want to. But my wife said, it's not enough to have the teaching, it's got to be the conversation. I won't go in, <laughs> I won't go into verbatim the discussion we had at my house here not long ago. But I was trying to explain to my daughters the way boys think. And I was just very matter-of-fact about it. Hey, do you want to know about boys? I mean, yeah, kind of. Oh, you do? Yeah, you want to know what boys think about? <coughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you know, you know. <laughs> so I told them. Matter-of-fact. You should have seen the looks on their faces. Are you serious? That's weird. When you say it out loud, it's weird. That's true. And here it makes sense. <laughs> Once you say it, it's like, that's weird, right? It's real, real weird. They said, for real? I said, for real. Not just you? Not just me. All of them. I said, I know, it's weird. I mean, I know, I mean, I know. Like, this is an awkward conversation, but like, you should know, right? I mean, if you were to go back and ask my wife, what is the thing you look forward to most about getting married? You know what she would have told you? She would have said, my wedding day. Here's why. I already know what dress I want to wear. And I'm going to do it barefoot. I want to be barefoot when I get married. Which is perfect because she's got perfect feet. This is the way I want my hair to look. These are the girls that I want standing beside me. She knew every single thing about it. Hey, Jared, what are you looking forward to on the day you get married? I'm going to rent somebody's clothes. I'm not buying them. I'm just going to rent them. Some other <laughs> bozo got married in these same pants. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like some other bozo got married in these same pants, in this same coat. You know? Like this is how much I cared about that part. Shoes. What shoes you wearing? Listen, I called my wife the day, maybe the day of our wedding. I said, hey, I don't have any black socks. She says, freaking figure it out. Like, this is how much thought I put into the day I get married. Like, what? you know what? Here's the other deal, though. The day we got married, we were going to honeymoon in Denver, Colorado. And our flight didn't leave till the next day. So we got to the hotel. We had done this thing to where we had abstained through our dating relationship and through our engagement. And so now we are married. We get to the hotel, and I said to her, so 
what do you want to do? She says, you want to go to Applebee's? <laughs> and because I'm a good husband, I said, <laughs> more than anything. <laughs> Went in the bathroom, banged my head against the toilet a few times. <laughs> came out, shook it off. Went and ate some, I don't know what I ate or not. <laughs> just twitched, just looking at her like a maniac, you know. The starting pistol had happened. You want to know what she was looking for? Barefoot and princess clothes. You know what I'm thinking? But nothing like that. <laughs> nothing. It would be valuable to know that going into it, right? I mean, that could complicate some stuff right in the middle of Applebee's. Like, you want to what? Want to go to Applebee's? Are you kidding me? Like, we just got rid of all those people we barely like. We just washed off all that crap they put on our car. We got completely away from my parents and your parents. What do you want to do? We have got the green light. What do you want to do? Pork chops? That's what you wanted. Home fries, right? Sure. <laughs> More than anything. Be nice going into it. Know a little bit about that, wouldn't it? But unfortunately, so many of us live in this same kind of tribe to where we don't talk about crocodiles. We don't talk about these things. And we don't talk about them because they're awkward and because... We don't know how to talk about them. Like, that's the reason why. My wife is right. It's not the teaching. It's not about teaching your kids this thing. It's this conversation. Because think about it. You and your spouse have probably had multiple conversations about the same topic, right? You put different rules into play. You started saying things such as, well, you need to be very sensitive with who I am. And you can't just be bossing all day long and expect. And you can't just be standing around here bad-mouthing me to all your friends and then think that I'm going to. And you're not going to be walking around here, set, I mean, just sitting on a couch all day doing nothing and think when we go to bed, you're going to. There's, there's, think about all these conversations. This is a living, breathing relationship. You don't get just a brochure. That's what you get if you go to a monument. You want to know about this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Read the brochure. You read it? Yeah. Huh. I didn't know that about Mount Rushmore. Interesting. You turn around, you go home. Guess what? Mount Rushmore is going to still be there. It's just going to be exactly what it was before. Nothing's going to change about it. Just this is what it is. But that is not true about our marriage relationships. They grow. They breathe. They move. We change hormonally, emotionally, physically, intellectually. There's things that change inside of our relationship. You don't just, you didn't have one conversation about this and then move on to something else. I promise you, if you did, I can guarantee you, I can name the number one emotion inside your marriage. You ready? Resentment. If you had one conversation about it and you expected it to work out, resentment. And maybe you're sitting there right now going, no, we had one conversation and I'm not resentful. I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to her. And that's the problem. No, 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 we're fine. We're fine or you're fine? Oh, I didn't check. 
check. It's the living, breathing relationship. We have to talk about crocodiles. How do we do that? Is there any easy way to do it? Is it going to be awkward? Promise. Promise. But here's the beautiful thing. Scripture offers us every single thing we need to navigate through this difficult topic. If you remember where we left off, we looked at chapter 1. Solomon meets this wonderful gal. He's crazy about her. She says, I don't feel like I'm very pretty. And he says, you're a knockout. Like you are every single thing I've never seen and always wanted in my entire life. I think you're I think you'd like, like top shelf. A mare among the chariots of Pharaoh is how he says it. And things begin to change in her. And we talked about how his words became her mirror, how she saw herself this certain way. Do not stare at me because I am dark. I am darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me, and they made me work in the vineyard. But my own vineyard I have neglected, to which Solomon says, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. It's perfect. And then we go from there to, I am the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley. And he said, a lily among thorns. And she said, my lover is to me an apple tree among all the trees of the forest. I delight to sit in his shade. His fruit is sweet to my taste. And they have this connection and they go back and forth and they begin to build this intimacy through words. And we talked about how her thoughts became words and how Solomon's words and actions moved into this realm to where the relationship started to grow. And then she says, our bed is verdant, means green, growing, luxuriant. And he says, our rafters are firs. These arches are cedar. He tells her, you can count on me. I'm going to be here. I'm going to keep building us a life together. And she said, I'm right there with you. Verse 3 of chapter 2. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my lover among young men. I delight to sit in his shade and his fruit is sweet to my taste. He has taken me to the banquet hall and his banner over me is love. We talked about this military idea of this banner over the top of them, which is love. Like, what are the identifying marks of your military, of your army? Love. It's love. And then all of a sudden we see a shift. And she says, verse 4, Strengthen me with raisins. Refresh me with apples. For I am faint with love. The word is lovesick. For I am faint with love. Now, here's what's kind of weird, I'll be honest. When she says, sustain me with raisins, it harkens back to this idea of raisin cakes. They're full of seeds. The assumption was, or the belief was, that they would make you more fertile. Some suggest it's an aphrodisiac. In fact, at one point, David conquers the Jebusites in battle. And they get the ark, and they put the ark back in the center of Jerusalem where it goes. And then David sends all of his mighty men back to their homes with a gift. 
gift basket full of goodies. And the goodies were raisin cakes. And you know what the raisin cakes were for? Go home with your wife and these raisin cakes. Why? Because in David's mind it was this. The covenant God made with Abraham to give him more sons than the sand on the seashore or stars in the sky was now going to fall into David's life. And can you imagine as a military captain, the king of a nation, the greatest thing in the world is if your people are fruitful and multiply because that's good for the army. That's good for us. So take these raisin cakes and go have millions of babies, please. This was the idea. And this woman says, sustain me with raisin cakes. Sustain me with apples, for I am faint with love. Uh, I don't know that there's too many of us who have been in this situation or in this, in this, um, have this background or this thing in our history, but let me share it with you. Oftentimes, if you grow up in the church, you can come from a place that looks at you and says, these human emotions are off limits for you. Don't have them. It's like, yeah, if I knew where that switch was. Just don't have them. Turn them off. They're bad. They're from the devil. can't remember who it was. I have to pardon my language. I don't mean it exactly this way, but I want to say it was St. Francis of Assisi, maybe? Who said, I call my body Brother Donkey. I tell it what to do. Oh, nope, not doing it. Stubborn. And so what he's saying is this whole idea of how do you get that in check? Like, that's not going to work. Somebody comes and says, turn off these emotions. It's like, how do you do that in a healthy way? You don't. You can't. So if you come from a background that has told you over and over, giving you these puritanical guidelines of if you want to please God, then you've got to lay back and think about the queen. You've got to turn off these emotions. You've got to turn off these feelings. Let me tell you that this is exactly what God created, and he knew it when it happened. We didn't come from the dirt, and then all of a sudden, something weird happened, and God's looking at us going, what are they doing? Oh, they just made it awkward. Like, that wasn't what happened. Like, God created it as it is. So there has to be something in this for us as far as Scripture goes. Next line. This couple has spent some time together. They like each other. It's apparent they like each other. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but in the first part, she talks about herself. Me, 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 me. And then Solomon talks about her. As they go on, it begins to change, and she begins to talk about how she sees her in light of him. And then as it moves on a little bit more, it turns from it's no longer about just you looking like you look, but it's about how you make me different. Then it goes from how you made me different to we should make some plans together. Now it's my lover our banquet hall, our time together, our relationship, 
And now we've moved it all the way to this place to where this relationship is serious. And now they are doing about 65 down the highway. And if any singles are in this room today, let me tell you this. This moment right here, if you get caught in this moment of passion where everything's running hot, you're going to miss your exit. And you don't want to miss your exit. You're going to get flying down. Listen, this is, I'm notorious for this. I'll get in a car and I'll get to talking with somebody and I'm not kidding you, I'll drive 10 miles past wherever I was supposed to go because I'm engaged in whatever conversation and I don't pay any attention to the road signs. I'm telling you, in the same way, singles, if you are not a married couple, listen, if you are in a relationship and you spend too much time together, too much time together, and you really don't just love each other, but you like each other, listen, you're going down the highway at, at really good speeds, you're going to miss your exit. You don't want to miss your exit. I know it seems natural. You're going to miss your exit. It's going to complicate things for you. Listen to what she says. His left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. Hey, I got a question for you. Is my hand under this bottle? Is this under? Is the hand under the bottle? No, you would say it's behind, correct? Now is it under? We are not talking vertical. We're talking horizontal. They are in a horizontal position. She says his hand, his left hand is under my head. His right arm embraces me. Verse 7, O daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. What version are you guys looking at? Yeah, same as mine, NIV. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Now, there's a couple different thoughts on this. The first one is this, don't wake me up if I'm dreaming. That's pretty good. I'm with the man of my dreams. If I'm dreaming, do not wake me up. Don't pinch me. Don't nudge me. Don't nothing. I love what's going on. Do not. This is so good. Here's the other one. The other one is this. We better not cross this line. We can't cross this line yet. We cannot cross this line. Physically, we cannot cross this line. We have to put on the brakes now. Why do you think it's important that we restrain, that we abstain when it comes to premarital sex? Why do you think that would be important? Let me toss out a couple of reasons why. First, because we want to be obedient to Scripture. Now, I know you're just kind of like, yeah, that's not a real good one. <laughs> I know. It doesn't really compete with the hormones. Yeah, I understand. But let me give you a story. I had a gal call me one day. She said, it's a family friend. She's a social worker. She said, 
I'd really like you to do our wedding. I said, well, uh, I would love to, but here's the deal. You've got to go through premarital counseling with me, and it's just not fun. Like, it's going to require a lot of you, and I don't know that that's something that you want to do. I don't know that you want to do that. She said, no, we want you to. We'd be happy to go through it. And I said, okay. So we had some conversations, and it was, it was good. It was light. So then we started to get a little deeper into our conversation, me, her, her fiancé. And the question came up, Jared, would you ever officiate a same-sex marriage? To which I said, no. Scripturally, I can't. She then said, really? I said, yeah, I wouldn't. And then she said, what if it was your daughter? And I said, no. And I'm not saying this as a, like I want to like brag or like I'm, like I'm trying to be like hardcore, but I want you to understand my position. No. No, I wouldn't. Would you go? course I would. I love her. Absolutely I would. Would you walk her down the aisle? Yeah, I would. Because I love her. I want her in my life, but I want her to know the truth. And then she said to me, so why would you tell that couple no if you believe they're living in sin but you would tell me and my fiance yes while we're living in sin. You know what I love about that? That's critical thinking at its best. That's what that is. Like that's critical thinking. There was not, there was not this moment of find your position, dig in, now let's start throwing rocks at one another. That was not that. I wasn't going to take that position. I wasn't interested in throwing rocks, and neither was she. But she logically put together, so why is this okay, but this is not okay? And I was like, brilliant. So I began my dissertation on why I think where I'm at in this conversation with her and her fiancé, why this is different than that. And if you're interested in knowing about that, you can get a hold of me. I'd love to sit down and tell you uh, about that conversation. That's, that's not the point of this story. But then I said to her, which brings up a good point, you guys are living in sin. And so I want to offer you an opportunity to fix that. And she said, okay. Hesitant. And I said, but let me start by asking you just a few questions. I want you to take these questions in too. Let's say, hypothetically, just for instance, waiting by simply waiting. Ladies, it puts blinders on your husband the duration of your marriage, would it be worth it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What if, 
What if by waiting, you open up an opportunity for God to step in and give your relationship immunity from certain problems and issues that will, that will plague everyone else but not you? Is it worth it? Yeah, have you been married? Yes. I need as many things going for me as possible. What if waiting? What if waiting? You're going to love this one. What if waiting, doing this one difficult thing, you and her get together and you say, you know what, from this point forward, we're waiting. What if doing that breaks a cycle of sexual sin that is reigning both sides of your family forever? Is it worth it? Now listen, that's just three. And if you answer no to any of those, you are, listen close, this is a theological term, a selfish idiot. Okay? You're a selfish idiot. Like, no, it's not worth it. Okay, yeah, I don't know what you're doing. I don't have any idea what you're doing. What if? What if? Waiting elevates the standard, raises the standard of godliness for the outside world. And through that example alone, suddenly people go, dude, like, I don't even know. I don't even know how that works. But that really speaks to me. Why? Well, what about this? What if in waiting, what it does is it prepares a moment for you when you sit down with your kids, you can look your children in the face and you can say, you know, me and your mom botched this. But then we heard the truth. And we changed it. And we want the same for you. And this is how we lived. And it was difficult, but I want you to know, you can do it. Is it worth it? Absolutely, it's worth it. The girl on the other end of the phone says to me, I didn't tell you that my fiance was sitting here on speakerphone. And then I hear his voice come in from the other from in the background and he says I'm in I'm in we want you to do it and I'm 100% in we're going to wait from this point forward we're going to wait like that's why and I understand it and that makes sense it's, a, it's about delaying gratification for the bigger blessing I'm in What are some other good reasons to wait? I'll show you one. Check this out. <clears throat> Verse 7. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and the does of the field. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. You know what's really, really interesting? You can take a group of men and you can say, now how many of you guys are romantics? And they'll be like, nah, I'm not very romantic. I'm not real romantic. It's like, you don't wait, what do you mean? You don't know how to like put on nice clothes? Put on cologne, like be patient, you know, quiet, like reserved. You know, like you don't know how to do any of that? I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just, I am what I am, what I am. It's like, oh, is that right? Check this out. I thought about this just, this, just, just, just here this week. By the gazelles of the field, I charge you. You know what men are really good at? I've learned this about myself here recently. Dudes have the ability to wake up really early in the morning and put on some special clothes. It's called camouflage. 
They also have this amazing ability to rub this pungent stench on their body. Why? Because the deer like it. Just rub it on their body. You know what else they got the, the ability to do? Take their skills and go sit quietly where those creatures are and patiently wait. Oh, I'm not a romantic. No, you're lazy. We can do it for a deer. But we can't do it at home. Do you brush your teeth at all? Ever? Like this morning or yesterday or Thursday, I don't remember. Yeah, I think. Shower. No. This is what's crazy. Like, we have this amazing ability. Like, if it matters to us, we can do it. And it's like, what about romance? Like, no, I don't know anything about romance. Like, you put on special perfume for a deer. Okay. Special clothes. Went to the special place. Climbed a tree. When's the last time you boneheads climbed a tree apart from deer hunting? Like, never. This is what we do. We do all this special stuff. The approach is like a hunter. Slow your roll. Don't spook this thing up until it's time, and it's not time. So dial it back. This is not hard to understand. This is very easy to understand. Turn it down. And then look what happens here. Verse 8. Listen, my lover, look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. My lover spoke and said to me, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. What season are we in? Spring. Do you see what happens? As soon as they pump the brakes, we move into spring. I think there's a really good picture here. Do you want to see your relationship deepen emotionally and spiritually? Let me tell you what. Let me tell you the best thing for uh, best thing for you, singles. If you're in this dating relationship, you want to see your relationship get better. Okay, pump the brakes on the physical aspect of your relationship. Pump the brakes on it. Just stop. Here's why. Give each other the opportunity to grow because here's what happens. The physical act inside that relationship has the potential to shorten a really good relationship or lengthen a really bad relationship. There are people that you know you should not have ever spent any time with, but because of that thing, it just continued. And you also know that there's relationships that once that was violated, it's like it botched everything up. All of a sudden, this new growth happens. And let me show you what happens to men in this situation, young, gay, young girls. Listen, like ladies, like this is like single ladies, like this is super important. Do you want the depth of the relationship? You want the heart of the relationship? Pump the brakes. Hit the brakes. And watch what happens. Growth immediately happens in the relationship. And then watch what happens to his words and the content of his words. Verse 14. My dove, 
in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside. Show me your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyard, our vineyards that are in bloom. Oh my goodness. Ladies, when you hear this, do you think to yourself like, wow, this guy is a problem-solving son of a gun. Like, he's going to meet me in this place. Like, meet me in this place of, now hold on, now listen. I want you... But here's the other part. I want the depth of relationship too. I want to know the secret parts of who you are. I want to know the things about you that are scared. My dove in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside, those deep cavernous areas of your spouse that you know there is massive amounts of pain and hurt and regret that exist inside of these cracks and crevices. And he stands out front and calls to her and says, I'm safe. You can come out. You can come out. Katie and I got in an argument one day. And it was just a strange, it was just a strange conversation. I didn't even remember what we were talking about. And I said to her, listen, it's okay. You can trust me. And she says, well, I don't. Which made me giggle. And I said, that's okay. Like, that's okay. But, but listen, you're going to trust me. And in that moment, as strange as this is going to sound, in that moment, I didn't see her as a grown-up woman standing in the closet. I saw her as a little girl. She was about six years old. She was about this tall. And she looked terrified. She wasn't fighting me. She was fighting something else. This wasn't trust with me. This was trust somewhere else. If you think that that doesn't exist inside of your relationships, oh my goodness, you are blind. We have that pain. And for depth of relationship to get to a place to where you can fully experience the manifest presence of God in your life, that stuff has got to be drawn out. That means there's got to be trust in the relationship, and that means that there's got to be conversations, hard conversations, scary conversations. And when I saw her standing in that closet, this little six-year-old girl, I was overwhelmed with compassion. I walked in the closet and I held on to her. She wouldn't even hug me, arms down to her side like a little kid, just like this. And I just hugged her and I said, hey, like, I'm a good guy. Like, I'm here, I'm good. Like, you can trust me. He says to her, I want to know the depth of the relationship. Do you want to know what one of the biggest problems with premarital sex is? Is it puts a cap on the relationship and a lot of times you can never get here 
This is a good reason to wait. That relationship has got to deepen. Here's why. It can't handle the physical part of the relationship. It's too combustible unless there is depth to it. This has got to be established deep. Then the physical aspect will work. But this stuff is this stuff is kerosene, knee deep. I heard a guy say it this way, knee deep in kerosene, playing with matches. We need the base. There's another thing that I know. I don't know much, but, but I do know this. At my house, I've got two little girls. And I can tell you the number one thing that they want in all of life is acceptance. I don't have little boys, but I were one. And because I was, I can speak as one, and I can tell you this, as a little boy, do you know what you want more than anything? Some of you are going to be like, no, not me. I'll tell you exactly what it is. Acceptance. Acceptance. No, I mean, I didn't, I didn't care about that. Oh, yeah? You didn't care about those conversations in the locker room? When everybody else had maybe climbed a mountain and conquered it, and you hadn't? You didn't feel any pressure, cultural pressure from that? You never did anything out of peer pressure ever in your life? Wasn't about acceptance? Little girls want acceptance, too. Here's the problem. We're coming from two different angles, little boys and little girls. Do you know this? One screaming, I got to get acceptance from my buddies and from the culture. And so I got to go conquer this thing. I got to kiss a girl fast. I got to make sure somebody knows like, like I'm a real man. I got to go this direction. And the little girls are on the other side coming from this other place of, I want to be accepted as well. And they feel like they only have one bargaining chip. And they're stuck. Now, I know I'm speaking in generalities, and this isn't going to be absolutely true for every single person, but basically, this is the same idea. This is where we land. So what we have is somebody who is vulnerable, who doesn't want to be alone, who somehow, in the process of growing up, was left with this massive void of acceptance. Wandering out here with a great big target on her. And then we've got some other little guy over here. Some testosterone-infused, curiosity-riddled guy getting all gassed up by his buddies and culture and the internet and his phone. And it's all turning it all up so that it can point him to the thing he thinks he's supposed to be doing. And we just take him and we just put him together. It's like it's no big deal. And then we sit back and we go, well, I wonder why that didn't work out. I wonder why people's lives are falling apart. I wonder why people are so confused about the, about the topics of sexuality. Well, no wonder. It's because we're missing so much information. So let's begin easy. Let's assume that everybody you bump into for the rest of your life, those in your home, that person you're married to, the people on the outside, friends of yours, 
They all have this massive void in the middle of them, this capacity that needs filled. What they want is acceptance. So our job is to go and love them. We had this conversation right before, uh, right before we, we came out here to, to begin church. The elders and the staff, we talked about truth and love. And it was interesting because Luke used this phrase, it's not the balance, it's to be perfect in both. Speak the truth and do it lovingly. It's not going to be popular. But everybody out there wants some level of acceptance. Let me tell you something. If you've got little kids in your house, let me tell you, let me tell you the two things that will, that will curb that. It will fill up this acceptance capacity inside of them. Okay? And this is what we need. Time patience daddies of little girls boy 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 is there anything scarier in the entire freaking world than that than thinking about that like knowing like what you've heard said and like you're going to just send them out of the house If you want to build barriers for your daughters to where they all of a sudden have this amazing wisdom and this insight to know if this is a good man or a bad man, you can do it. You can teach that to your daughters. You can do it. And let me tell you how you do it. Time and patience. Listen, there's sometimes these stories show up at my house after school they are like the worst run-on sentences I've ever heard in my entire life. And they are so boring. They're, they're, bo- they're, they're horrible. There's times that I have to think to myself, okay, I, I could take her with me and we could spend time together while I go knock this out. Hey guys, I just learned this not too long ago. Not the, same thing, not the same thing as quality time. Sorry, girls, we didn't know. Like, it's not the same thing as quality time. Hey, I'm going to go run to town. You want to go with me? Not the same thing. If I want to build barriers that inform them on what they need to look for in a man, I have to do it with time and with patience. That means I have to sit there and do nothing except listen and be patient. And not talk. And love who she is. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to fill up that capacity. So she feels so accepted that when that one little idiot, maybe one of yours, <laughs> steps up on my front porch, you better have been, you better have been doing the same work I've been doing. Because I'm going to know. That little idiot shows up on my front step. He's going to, yeah, I'm going to know. And she's going to take one peek and go, (laughs) he don't hold a candle. Not even close. Hey, Dad, I don't want to be alone, but I'd rather be alone than be with that guy. Good girl. Dad, I know where the standard is. You know what I want? I want her swept off the front porch. I want her looking at me and going, Dad, I'm sorry, but he's freaking great. And me go, so long. 
so long. I want to be able to look at him and go, man, that guy's killing. Sucker. It's a good one. That's a good, you, you sucker. Good work. This is what's supposed to happen. All of a sudden, he opens up. He says, I want to know the inside parts of you. And then look at verse 15. Catch for us the little foxes. You know what this is? This is so good. This is a great line. Catch for us the little foxes. The foxes that are, that are trying to ruin our vineyard. How does it say it? The little foxes that ruin the vineyard. Our vineyards that are in bloom. We've got this grapevine that's growing. We're going to have this massive harvest. We're going to get all this wine. And our life is going to be full of joy. This is going to be absolutely awesome. An enormous party. But you know and I know. There are certain things in life that sneak through the fence and they begin to bite the blossoms off the end of the vines and all of a sudden there's no wine anywhere in the country. There's no joy in the relationship and we are stuck metal on metal and we do not like it one single bit. Kate and I went out with a couple. <laughs> We've done this a couple times and every time we, we get back in the car we just look at each other and be like, you know, it's clear they love each other but like, they like each other. Like, it's just almost weird. Like, they like each other. Like, playful. Giddy. It's not like, yeah, we're committed. No ball and chain. Not like that. <laughs> not like that. That's dragging her around. I don't mean that. I mean, like, they're silly. They're silly. Like, they say things to one another, and in my head I'm going, that is so silly. They like each other. How awesome is that? Wouldn't it be awesome? Here's the problem. It's really hard to love somebody that you don't like. It's really hard to like somebody you don't respect. I mean, it's hard, to, it's, it's hard to love somebody you don't like. And I mean, it's really hard to like somebody that you don't respect. The standard's high. But look what happens. Look at her, look at her heart right here. Chapter 3. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, verse 16. Notice this. Guys, check this out. I want you to notice this. Watch this shift. Now, the dudes in the room would be like, oh, no, that's, no, that's weird. Like, no, that's cool. Ladies, it's going to be like, yeah, of course. But the guys are going to be like, oh, no, I didn't know that. Verse 16. He just finished telling her, tell me the secret stuff on the inside. I want to be there for you. I want to see your face. I want, to see, I want to hear your voice. I want to see your tears. Like, look, I'm here. I'm safe. We are good. And then she says, wow, this is crazy. My lover is mine and I am his. And these are euphemisms. He browses among the lilies until the day breaks and the shadows flee. Turn, my lover, and be like a gazelle or like a young stag. On the rugged hills. Surely, you don't need me to help interpret that, correct? It is as spicy 
as you think it is. Her response to him is now physical. He was already there, right? Like, there's no question. He's a dude. Like, he's already there. Like, it's already turned up to 11. She's thinking barefoot, pretty dress, and he's thinking honeymoon. Like, this is the longest freaking flight in the world. Applebee sucks, and I don't ever want to go there again. Like, this is where he lives. And now, when you abstain and you postpone that part of your relationship, God offers a blessing inside of your life. And here's what it is. It will give him depth, and it will give him communication. And it will give her, what? Affection and passion. Fellas, what do you need? Like, what, do you, like, what do you want for the duration of your marriage? This. Ladies, what do you want for the duration of your marriage? This. You want a man who will meet you in that place, who's calling your pain forward so that he can help love you and help heal you. And guys, she's meeting him in this place saying, you know what, I got an idea. How about you pretend like you're a gazelle and I've got rugged hills? Are you kidding me? Listen what she says. All night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him, but I did not find him. I will get up now and go about the city through the streets and the squares. I will search for the one my heart loves. So I looked for him, and I did not find him. Send the watchmen. They found me. And as they made their rounds in the city, have you seen the one my heart loves? Scarcely had I passed them when I finally found the one my heart loves. I held him, and I would not let him go till I had brought him to my mother's house, to the room of the one who conceived me. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. She reinstitutes this idea that, you know what, we sacrificed what we wanted for what God wanted and he blessed us on a deep, deep level. And so we are going to hold our ground. Let me tell you what the next chapter is. Marriage. Want to know why? Because we better get moving fast. The oven is hot. We're doing 90 down the freeway. And these two are looking at each other like, boy, I hope we can, I hope we can keep ourselves together for the duration of this. And they recommit themselves and they slow it back down. They said, nope, we're not going to arouse or awaken love until it's time. Last part. The very next verse gives you a perfect picture of the way this thing is supposed to ascend and climb and take you to the pinnacle of where your relationship should be. In her view of who he is, she speaks and she says this in verse 6. Who is this coming up from the desert like a column of smoke? Now somebody remind me. Who was it that came up through the desert in a column of smoke? Anyone? Moses was there. God. God traveled before the people of Israel, the Hebrew people, traveled before them in a column of smoke. 
leading them. And by night, it was a pillar of fire. She says, who is this man who has taken on the same appearance as that of God? Because a man who can tame this part of himself is a godly man. And she says, that's exactly what I want. This next chapter is a marriage And I'm telling you what, this is the coolest wedding, the coolest wedding you'll ever see. And so we're going to talk about that next week. Um, If you have any questions, anything you want to discuss, uh, feel free to text me, call me. I would love love to sit down and have a conversation with you about it. Let me pray and we'll go. God, we love you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to... Um, study your word, but we ask that you will be um, in our lives, in our hearts, in our relationships, Lord, so that we can be strong and carry out um, your design of what our lives should look like. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.